From fatchy ouchies to vaccine passports, today the 10 News gets extra to find out what's up with the coronavirus pandemic and vaccines. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and this is the 10 News Gets Extra. Vaccine supply is increasing and schools are reopening. And just this week, Pfizer, one of the vaccine makers, announced that their vaccine is showing 100 percent effectiveness rate against COVID in their tests with 12 to 15 year olds. 100 percent is a big deal. Imagine getting 100% on all the Zoom quizzes you took this year. Does this mean that the pandemic is coming to an end? I sure hope so. In this special Ask an Expert, we went to one of the smartest doctors we know, Dr. Bob Wachter, chair of the University of California, San Francisco's Department of Medicine, to find out. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. Thank you for agreeing to hang out with us at the Ton News. Oh, what a great pleasure. It's, it's wonderful. Thanks. Okay, so you're a doctor. You've written books. You've been awarded prestigious honors. And, and you're a hospitalist. You're also at University of California, San Francisco. Can you talk about what you do there? Yeah, my day job is I run something called the Department of Medicine. And so I oversee about a thousand doctors at a big university hospital. So what's fun about it is I get to be a doctor, but I also get to be a leader. I get to be a mentor and a teacher. I get to write, speak. It's uh, just wonderful if you like variety. That sounds like a whole lot of things to do at once. And then somehow in the midst of all of this, you've become somewhat of a Twitter master. (laughs) (laughs) I love your tweets. What drove you to tweet? Yeah, I'm pretty busy, although I've got amazing people that work with me. And I think Twitter's awesome. And I, I, I think that in part because to have a way for me to follow people whose opinions I really respect and admire and figure out what they care about and what they're reading and what they're watching and listening to. I, boy, I think it's brilliant. In COVID, it just became incredibly crucial. And what I discovered a year ago was I was taking in all this information about this brand new disease and had to understand it from so many different perspectives. I was trying to learn about the virus, the immune system, about behavioral change and about masks and about aerosols and all this kind of stuff. And as I was learning about it, I figured, okay, maybe I'll, maybe other people are trying to learn about it too. I'll put it out there. And I found the little like button on the bottom of your Twitter thing. All of a sudden it was spinning around like a movie. Like, wow, I guess people seem interested in this. So I kept on doing it and it's been, uh, it's been really gratifying. It's a great way to keep the public updated on the pandemic and COVID with so much misinformation and disinformation going around. It really, it really is a valuable tool and you've been using it in the best way I could possibly think of. You're also guest hosting a podcast called In the Bubble, a podcast about the pandemic from the front lines. Yeah, the podcast was started by a guy named Andy Slavitt, who is a... uh... Uh, leader in the field of healthcare. He started it about a year ago. So his idea was to start a podcast and to focus on COVID. But when you focus on COVID, you have to focus on 
politics and policy and and issues of racial justice and equity and the schools and you know it, it just it's everything and so his guests ranged from Fauci to Tina Fey and then when President Biden came into office he asked Andy to come in and be one of his right-hand people in helping to lead the COVID response and Andy thought that was too important to say no to and uh, one day I got a call from him uh, maybe two months ago and he said you know you ever listen to my podcast I said I listen to it all the time I think it's fantastic he said how would you like to run it now that we know what kind of doctor Bob Wachter is, let's find out more from him in Let's Ask an Expert. So super important questions. Does it matter which vaccine you get? They're different, but it doesn't matter in terms of if you have a chance to get any of the ones that are approved in the United States, you want to get it. Uh, they are all miraculously effective. They are all remarkably safe. And... Uh, if you had told me in March of 2020, a year ago, that we will have three vaccines out there that are this good, this safe, and will already be in more than 100 million shoulders, I would have said that's, that's a pipe dream. That can't happen. It's amazing how good they are. And, you know, there are slight differences between the vaccines, but the best one is the one that you can get. So... When can kids under 16 begin to get their Fauci ouchies? <laughs> I had, maybe you heard about that weeks ago. I, I was having dinner with my a birthday dinner, actually, with my younger son the other day. And he said, it looks like I'm going to get my Fauci ouchie in May. And I, I had not heard that before. And I have to tell you, since then, I can't think about the vaccine being called anything other than a Fauci ouchie. I just think it's great. They're just being tested now in kids. And um, and judging by the speed with which they're being tested my guess is they're going to be available for kids in the fall that is fantastic and that is is that kids under 12 as well yeah no they're testing it down to i think age one or two right now and so uh, i think we'll get answers fairly quickly for kind of the full range of kids if you had a magic ball what would you say the summer is going to look like i think the summer is going to be pretty good I mean, I, I think that uh, the vaccine now is rolling out really quickly. We're, we're, we're getting about two and a half million people a day vaccinated. I mean, I, I think about, uh, you know, a big college football stadium that seats 100,000 people. So that is 25 of them filled with people that were getting vaccinated every single day. It's pretty, pretty staggering. At that pace, by the end of May, everybody in the country who wants to get vaccinated will have had the opportunity to get vaccinated. Uh, I hope everybody will get vaccinated, but if you get up to 70% of the population vaccinated, 80% of the population vaccinated, you get to the point where the virus just doesn't have a place to go. It's looking around for someone who is susceptible and it can't find someone. And it's not like it goes away forever because unfortunately we're not gonna be able to vaccinate the rest of the world by the end of May or probably by the end of 2021. But you have enough people vaccinated that the cases are going to go down to a very low level. Oh, that's such good news. Um, okay, so this is a big one. I, I hear people talking about this one. If someone's grandparents are vaccinated, but they are not, can they get together 
if you are vaccinated, could you spread the virus to someone who is not vaccinated? Just in the last month, studies have come out that have made it clear that uh, that the uh, the ability of a vaccinated person to spread the virus to another person is way, way, way down. It's probably not zero, but it's it, it seems to be cut by 80 or 90 percent. And so given how well kids do with COVID, so few of them get super sick. Um, I think most of us and the recommendation from the CDC now is that for a vaccinated grandparent to uh, to hug an unvaccinated kid is an okay thing to do. And we've waited so long for that. I think the time has come that we can do that. Once the grandparents are fully vaccinated, it's not like they have a zero chance of getting COVID, but there is actually a zero chance of them dying from COVID. In the studies that have looked at tens of thousands of people, the number of people that have died of COVID after they were fully vaccinated is zero. So the vaccine is breathtakingly effective. So we we keep hearing about variants. Is that like some kind of super villain gang or, or is that like a COVID thing that we should be worried about? A little. Um, so here's what a variant is that the the virus every time it creates a copy of itself and that's all it does for a living it just it doesn't really do anything other than create copies of itself and then make mischief it takes over our cells to do that it uses the machinery of our cells to create copies of itself and viruses aren't perfect every time they make a copy of themselves they can sometimes have a little bit of a proofreading error starting about three or four months ago we started to see some variants that seem to be acting a little bit differently and the biggest player right now is the one that started in the United Kingdom, in England. All of a sudden, they found that the number of cases were going up while the country was pretty well locked down. They were scratching their heads saying, oh, what's going on here? We would have expected that the, what we're doing as a society would have led to lower cases. The cases were going up. When they investigated, they found that the virus had taken on uh, a new power to be somewhat more infectious than the original virus. And so that's the main variant that's in the United States now. The good news about that variant is it appears to be every bit as sensitive to the vaccine as the original virus. There are a couple of variants that we're seeing in other countries where the vaccines appear to work a little bit less well, but they're not taking over. The, it's the UK, the British variant that's taking over. And so the companies that have made these vaccines are, even as we speak while they're working on testing them in kids, they're also working on reformulating them so that they are as active against the variants as they were against the original virus. Okay, so to recap, variants are like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. They're just different versions of the virus in like an alternate universe. And most of them aren't a big deal. Some of them make the virus a little bit more contagious. And with everyone getting vaccinated and everybody staying careful, it should still be okay. I think it should be when it comes to the UK variant. The one that many of us are watching carefully are the ones in South Africa and Brazil. And at least so far, they don't seem to be spreading super fast in the United States. So I keep hearing about vaccine passports. What are those? Like, can you fly with it? Does it mean you don't get the virus? Like, what is a vaccine passport? 
Yeah, it's probably not a great name because people immediately think of a passport and a passport, of course, is a document that you have to be able to show to travel outside the country. This is not that exactly. This is might be better thought of as vaccine uh, authentication, a document, maybe on your phone, maybe a piece of paper that that shows that you were vaccinated. And the reason it's interesting is uh, come the end of May, all adults will have had the opportunity to have been vaccinated in the United States. Some of them will choose not to. And there are going to be questions that that arise about uh, a business, you know, a bowling alley, a sports stadium, uh, a, a, a train, an airplane. Should they require that everybody who enters that space have uh, show that they were vaccinated? You could see an argument why. The argument might be that everybody inside will feel more comfortable and safer. So there is uh, your entry into certain places is going to be limited to people who have been vaccinated. The problem, of course, is it's going to create some political battles. There will be people who feel like that's an infringement that's getting in the way of their ability to make a decision about whether they get vaccinated. Uh, but it's a tricky call because your decision about whether to get vaccinated is not only about you, it's also about me, because that's the nature of infectious diseases. It's not just you making a choice about what to do with your own body, but your choice influences the risk of other people. So there's no right answer on this one, but I think you can expect that during the summer, there's going to be a lot of debate and you'll hear that term vaccine or immunity passport uh, a lot of times. It also seems like it opens the door to different types of discrimination and like people who have barriers to access that may not be able to get the vaccine. Maybe they want the vaccine, but they can't get the vaccine for lots of different reasons, like immigration status or things like that. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely important. People talk about communities of color having vaccine hesitancy. What we're seeing is that that not so much. We're seeing differences in access that for certain communities, it's harder to get the vaccine. You know, the, the, the ability to travel there, the ability to use a complicated web system, you know, maybe a 90 year old doesn't, can't get on the web and make a, make a complicated web-based appointment. So I think it, it is really, really important if we say that you're going to need this passport to get into uh, certainly essential services, we have to solve the problem that anybody who wants to have gotten a vaccine has had the opportunity to get it. Exactly. Okay, so now we have some questions from our listeners. Hi, I'm Rose and I'm seven years old. My school isn't open yet. Are lots of other schools still closed? Well, in a lot of places, the schools are still closed either fully or they're doing hybrid classes. But I think there's a really big push to get the schools open. It turns out that one of the happy surprises about COVID, there weren't that many, but one of the happy surprises is the kids are, don't get sick very often, don't spread it as much as adults do. And I think once we came to understand that, it really was gonna be important to try to get the schools open with masks, with extra ventilation, being careful. And we've been pretty slow on that. So I think you, you see the, the new administration pushing very hard to get the schools open. And I think by the, by the fall, virtually all the schools are gonna be fully open. Uh, in the spring, it's sort of hit and miss. It varies across the country. Hi, my name is Maddie, I'm eight years old. And my question was, how can something so small cost something so big? 
Yeah, I often ask myself that question <laughs> as well. You know, it is it is well below the limits of detection, even with a regular microscope, you would not see it. These things are so tiny, but they replicate really fast. And so if you get a few thousand copies of a virus that reaches the back of your nose and then manages to burrow into the cells in your nose or the back of your throat, it immediately takes over those cells and begins having little baby viruses. And then eventually it breaks out of the cell and can spread to the rest of the body. So although they're tiny, you can, you know, without, it doesn't take much time for you to have millions or even billions of them in a human body. And one of the things that happened with COVID is we learned that this virus, you can have it and you can spread it and you can feel fine. So that made it particularly difficult. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a worthy foe and it's proved that this year. And uh, its smallness actually is one of its superpowers. And this is exactly why masks are so important, isn't it? To diminish the number of viruses that can that you might get in your nose or your throat or something like that. You might ask, you know, is if it's so small, can it get through a mask? And the answer is, if you're wearing, particularly if you're wearing two masks, it really can't. It 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 seems to get thwarted by uh, by the masks. For this particular virus, it really has only one set of cells that it likes to burrow into. And those are the cells that happen to be in the back of your nose and the back of your throat and, and to some extent your eyes. And so uh, that is why uh, wearing masks has been so important. And if everybody just wore masks, the number of cases would go down massively. My name is Ben. I'm five years old. My question is, when will COVID be over? I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had a good answer for that. I'm going to give you two answers to that, Ben. Uh, one over, I think by the by the early fall, so six months from now, I think life will feel like it's going back to to something that resembles normal. We may still be wearing masks if we get together in a big crowd of strangers. The second answer, though, is I don't think that COVID is going to way, go away forever. I think it's going to resemble the flu in the United States, where maybe every winter we have an outbreak. Uh, people have to be careful, wash their hands. Maybe you're going to be wearing some masks in the wintertime. We'll have to see. You may have to get another shot of a vaccine every winter the way we do for a flu. So, but I think that's a, it's not so bad. You know, the number of people that died this year of COVID, more than half a million in the United States, we will never see anything like that again. But I think we probably are going to have to deal with COVID over the coming years in a much, much milder form. I'm Olivia and I'm 11 years old. Will kids be able to be in school without masks if teachers get vaccinated? That's a great question, Olivia. And I think there's still gonna be masks in the school until either all everybody's vaccinated, including the kids, or the level of virus in our communities is down so low that we're really, no one's at risk of COVID. And that could happen by the fall, we'll have to see. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This is so much fun. What a joy. Thanks for having me. If you listened to the 10 News Town Hall with Dr. Anthony Fauci, and if you didn't, you should, you learned that way before he was the U.S.'s top doctor, he was captain of his high school basketball team. Today's guest, Dr. Walker, had a big role in college sports. Was he... A, first baseman on the baseball team, 
B, the team's mascot, C, the assistant coach, or D, the announcer? Did you guess it? The answer is B. Let's hear Dr. Bob tell us about it. Oh, I love this story. When I was in college, I was the school's mascot. I was at the University of Pennsylvania and the mascot, it's in Philadelphia, and the mascot was somebody called the Penn Quaker. And the Quaker, believe it or not, I went to every football and every basketball game and I was dressed in a, a black tri-cornered hat, a bifocals, knickers, blue knickers, a white ruffled shirt and a red top coat. And uh, and that's what I, I trotted around in front of 10 or 20 or 30,000 people at each game dressed like the Penn Quaker. My parents were very proud of me. What was that? You want to see a photo of Dr. Bob and his amazing mascot outfit? We have one. Check it out at the10news.com. Time's up. That's the end of the 10 for today. But you can catch new episodes on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. The 10 News is a co-production of Small But Mighty Media in collaboration with Next Chapter Podcasts and distributed by iHeartRadio. The 10 News is written and produced by Tracy Crooks, Stephen Tompkins, Jenner Pasqua, Pete Musto, Andrew Hall, and Sarah Olander. The production director is Jeremiah Tittle, and the show is executive produced by Donald Albright and show creator Tracy Leeds Kaplan. Special thanks to Rosie, Maddie, Olivia, and Ben for helping us out with questions for Dr. Wachter. If you have questions about the show, a story idea, or a fun fact you want to share, email us at hello at the10news.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review The 10 News on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and thanks for listening to The 10 News. Oh, Dr. Wachter, can't you hear me calling, calling? Ask your parents about the Thompson Twins. Oh, Dr. Wachter. That's not really how the song goes, but it fits so well. Bye.